mini-series called In Uncovered. Have you ever believed a lie? Yes. Obviously at the time you didn't know you, it was a lie, but then you found out, oh my goodness, I've believed a lie. Say, well, what does that have to do with uncovered and what you talked about last week regarding seasons and your little story? Well, let's go back to that story because Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 3, and Jeff has these scriptures, I believe, for us tonight. So, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And we ask the question, what happens to you when you're going through a season and your season changes, especially abruptly? How do you navigate through that? Now imagine adding to that, that in that season, you've believed a lie. So now you're not only dealing with the natural change of seasons, you're dealing with the element of deception and that, that what you've believed with the, the knowledge that you're operating on is not sound. I shared a story about sitting at the lake with my Theo and Sophie. Those are my two little Shisus. And I, I found myself there at water's edge in the grass in front of a tree and it was an unusual tree because the, it was very gnarled and, and bent over and the leaves were falling and of course you'd say, well that's not unusual, it's fall. But in the picturesque moment of all of this, the grass is turning, the leaves are falling, the tree is all gnarled, the bark is not beautiful as bark can be, it's rough. There's geese on the lake and I'm very aware that they're going to be flying off soon because it's the season that they do that. I begin to wonder things like, well, will they make it back? And they might not make it back because some of them are hit by a hunter's gun, the pellets of a hunter's gun. And my mind even began to wonder about little mama goose, if, she's, if her life is ended by a hunter's gun, then what happens to her little Goslings, I learned that it's Gosling last week. You all, you, you all help me. That's what I said, gooseling, duckling, and everybody helped me, which I'm very appreciative of. And so I'm, I'm sitting at water's edge here and I'm finding that I'm, I'm totally aware of my humanity. I'm painfully aware of my insignificance, especially in relationship to time and history. And, and I begin to wonder what my own personal call and relevance is to my purpose here in life, especially now navigating a season of such change. And the story will never be told, but I'll just say that in the midst of that season, and unbeknownst to us at the time and out, out of our control, there was quite a bit of deception going on. 
that placed us in a very difficult spot that, that we had no control over. And so I begin to ask, what's my reason for getting up tomorrow morning, Tim? Have you ever asked that, Cynthia? Jeff? What's my reason, Doug? Have you ever said to yourself, man, I'm in a season where this, all of this is so overwhelming, I'm not sure I want to get up tomorrow morning. And when I do, what's the value? As part of our uh, attempt to help with this needed uncovering, we looked at a Hebrew word. It's called galah. It means to uncover, to remove, to go into exile. Also means nakedness or to lay bare. And we found out that in the Old Testament, where, where this Hebrew word is used, it's overwhelmingly used in a negative connotation, especially in the prophets, where it refers to their prophetic exile as judgment. Then we find the word also being used in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, in the very first couple of chapters in relationship to Adam and Eve, when they discovered that they were now, after eating, partaking of the tree and eating, which God told them not to do, they suddenly realized and were aware that they were, say it, uncovered. They were naked. They had been laid bare. When God showed up that day to, for their daily devotional walk in the garden, he asked them, who told you you were naked? Because he knew in that minute, in that moment of that time, they had believed a lie. Imagine the sense of painful loss, the significance of losing your future, your purpose, you as a created being, that the almighty God creator had placed you in a place that had everything you could possibly need or want and suddenly in a moment you've believed a lie and it's, it's removed, it's gone. Everything is gone. Imagine the overwhelming sense of sadness and loss and grief and shame and again I'm I'm sitting there at water's edge around this lake and I'm and it's impossible for me not to throw back into some personal circumstances and then the Holy Spirit thank God for the can everybody say thank you for the Holy Spirit <laughs> then the Holy Spirit said, what Adam lost by believing a lie is restored, Jeff, and resurrected in you when you believe. What Adam lost by believing a lie is restored and resurrected in us by believing on Jesus. So watch this. As we fast forward into the new covenant, into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the New Testament equivalent of this Hebrew word for galah is mysterion. 
And so while its use in the Old Testament is overwhelmingly negative, its use in the New Testament is filled with excitement and intrigue and revelation about God's goodness. And so here in chapter 14 of, and verse 2, look at this example. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands. But in his spirit he speaks in mysteries, another translation says, in secrets. Now, here's the key. See, a secret to you and I means knowledge withheld. A secret to God in his kingdom means knowledge revealed, knowledge uncovered. And this is what praying in your heavenly language is all about. This is why it's so important. Because when you pray in tongues, you are tapping into the knowledge of God through revelation that surpasses your thoughts and your feelings. Nina and I were at dinner last night and we were talking about a number of these subjects and we got on the subject of feelings and we said to one another while feelings are very very real they're not the truth they are very often not the truth. They're real. Not to be dismissed and just swept under the carpet because that creates a cognitive dissonance. You've got to deal with feelings, but you've got to realize that in those feelings there can be a lie. I have a question for you. I asked it of Nina last night. If you suddenly lost everything, including your freedom, what would you do in the morning? What would be your reason for getting up in the morning? I want you to imagine somebody. Not imagine them because it's just an imagination, but the Apostle Paul, what I want you to do is, is try to, in your imagination, think of the very real story and the rare, very real person and the very real circumstances of the Apostle Paul. Think of all that man built, all that he witnessed God do, and at his hands, the sheer number of miracles that were performed by the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, of course. He started churches, he trained leaders, he mentored, he placed his hands on associates and released them into ministry. Imagine now, with the future that was ahead of him and all that he was trusting and believing God for and the revival that was sweeping Asia at that time. Imagine what happened in his own mind and feelings when suddenly he was taken captive and thrown into a jail cell, the Apostle Paul. Immediately, suddenly, his freedom was gone. Disciples left him. His future plans for greatness were squashed. His, his goals for, for establishing new ministry were suddenly evacuated. And now he was sitting in a jail cell. His freedom removed. His future stolen. 
couldn't get up and go down to the market and buy something to eat, couldn't walk down the street to a friend's and have a Bible study, couldn't go down the street to the residential park and have a good time and play, couldn't, couldn't go to the lake and swim, couldn't take a journey, couldn't respond to the request of a church in Asia somewhere that needed his help in his apostolic covering. Suddenly, everything, his future, his hope, and all that he had built, and practically everybody, with the exception, according to the New Testament, of two individuals who were still standing with him, practically everybody had left him. Now, add on to all of that that at some point during his captivity and probably early he knew that it was going to end in death he would never make it out of those circumstances he was going his life was going to be taken he was going to be killed and in fact watch this the apostle paul was my age when he died. He was decapitated. At some point during that time, sitting in that cell, he requested some papyrus and an ink quill to write with. And in a great letter that he wrote to one of the many churches that he had established. He penned this verse, Jeff. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And sitting at that lakeside, thinking about my own life and losses, Wondering about the future of Genesis. Thinking about a number of you and your circumstances. I begin to ask, what's my reason for getting up tomorrow morning? And God reminded me of Paul's circumstances. Imagine, imagine sitting in a jail cell with only meager belongings. Freedom gone, life changed, everybody's left. And the question comes to your mind, I'm sure it did. What's my purpose? Why will I rise tomorrow morning? And in that moment, God spoke to my spirit. I wish he had done it audibly because it just would have been great to hear this audibly. You know, I mean like have the clouds come in and a thunderbolt and my son in whom I am well pleased. Let me tell you something. But it was as real as that to my spirit. God, and I'll say God said to me, Jeff, your purpose is to tell the story. We're told that Paul continued to tell the story 
to those who would come. Guards that would tend to him, he would tell the story. Timothy was allowed to come and visit. Titus was allowed to come and visit to apostolic pastoral ministers that he had placed in ministry. He continued to pastor them and assure. And then he wrote, and from his jail cell, he wrote the book of Philippians. Imagine, imagine those circumstances and wondering what am I going to do what's my value what's my worth to even get up tomorrow morning Paul had one that every day there was going to be some opportunity to either say or write something that could transform somebody's life and he wrote those words to know him. And the Lord said to me, Jeff, if everything you know and everything you have, and you have much blessing in your life, if it was all suddenly removed and all your freedom were gone, you could still live out the rest of your life with a hunger, an insatiable thirst for me. And at every opportunity, share the story. The Amplified translation of that verse says it this way, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Here's a man who has seen it all, done it all, preached it all, presided over miracles, raised up churches, and it's all been removed. He's sitting in a damp, cold jail cell somewhere, knowing that his life is going to be taken from him, and indeed it was when he was decapitated. And he can still say, Oh God, that I might know you. This is my reason for rising every morning, Jesus, that I might know you and the power of your resurrection. Imagine saying that. Imagine pinning those words from a jail cell. Boy, that puts anything going on in my life in perspective. <laughs> That puts anything in my life going on into perspective. All right, listen to this. Jeff will show it to you here on the screen. This is Philip's translation of the two verses preceding and then of the verse that we have read, verse 10. Yet every advantage that I had gained, I considered lost for Christ's sake. Yes, I look upon everything as loss compared with the overwhelming gain of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. 
He's writing this from a jail cell. He's writing this with no future or promise of tomorrow, but certain death other than what he's saying right here. And for his sake I did in actual fact suffer the loss of everything, but I considered it useless rubbish compared to rubbish compared with being able to win Christ. For now my place is in him. And I am not dependent upon any of the self-achieved righteousness of the law. God has given me that genuine righteousness which comes from faith in Christ. How changed are my ambitions. Now I long to know Christ and the power shown by his resurrection. Now I long to share his sufferings. Even to die as he died so that I may perhaps attain as he did to the resurrection. Dear ones, there is only one way that you can have that kind of attitude and write those kind of words. And that's to know that anything you are experiencing right now that's contrary to God's blessing his nature of love, his goodness, any contradiction of temptation that you might be walking through, any season that might have been forced into your life that you're walking through. God is greater than those circumstances. God is greater than what is taking place. Do not believe the lie of what you can see. Believe what you hear in your spirit is true. And so as we pull back the veil, as we uncover, and sometimes you're in the midst of things that they're just too, they're too overwhelming. If you try to pray, you don't even want to. You don't know what to pray. If you try to read your Bible, you don't feel like reading your Bible. All right? And so I don't. And then all, there's all kinds of, a, these, are, these are circumstances. These are the times when individuals backslide, turn their back on the church, go out and begin to give themselves to various addictions. These are the times, and I've mentioned some of these names in the past couple of weeks, of high-profile Christian leaders of mega churches who have either deconstructed from walking in faith and serving Jesus or have committed suicide in our day there is only one way out of that and that's to recognize that Satan has presented us with a lie that there's something outside of what we have in God right now that we need. That something outside, a bigger church, a larger car, a more wonderful home, a better job, a bigger paycheck, a larger television. I don't know, but fill in the blank. That something out there will bring us satisfaction something out there will take care of this overwhelming sadness and loneliness and hopelessness that I feel and it's a lie the same lie 
that Satan presented to Adam and Eve when in the garden he said, God's lied to you. He knows that if you, if you eat of this, you will become like him, knowing good from evil. And so you need something that you don't have. You need something outside of what God has already blessed you with. And they believed the lie and they became uncovered. Are you uncovered? Do you feel uncovered tonight? Do you feel exiled from your dreams? That is a lie. Do not believe it because everything you need is wrapped up in who you are in Jesus Christ, who he is in you and who you are in him. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, that is the mystery, the uncovering, which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the great uncovering, the revealing of our true self in Christ. Imagine being in a jail, jail cell, having lost everything, including the future and any hope, knowing you face uncertain death and being able to say, Jesus, today, today, I get out of my bed and I'm going to lift my hands and Jesus, I know you live in me and that I am in you that I've been placed in this divine dance with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so today, from this jail cell of circumstances, I say to you, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Knock, 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 knock. Paul! Timothy will be here in 30 minutes. Timothy. Timothy and I will be able to sit for an hour or two, share the things of the Lord, who we are in Christ, now that life is centered, not in something out there, but right in here. To know Him. To know Him and the power of his resurrection. I'll close with the same statement that I did in last week's message. God's uncovering and disclosure in our lives, and there are seasons where hand in hand God is walking with you. God is uncovering and disclosing, but it always leads us into a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ. Never to being exiled, never to a sense of shame or guilt or nakedness, always to a deeper revelation of who he is. I don't know about you, but I want that. I don't know about you, but in, in times of my deepest sorrow, my deepest pain, my deepest sense of loss 
and my deepest questioning about the future, I can now say with Paul, because it, I've, I've gotten a revelation of this. It's real in my spirit. I can say, I have everything. I have everything. Jesus, to know you. And today, I just might get to tell the story of your grace to someone, anyone.